Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected portfolio manager and senior vice president at Canaccord Genuity, who has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, when it comes to retirement, a lot of people tend to fixate on accumulating enough assets. One aspect that's often overlooked is planning for how to begin withdrawing your retirement nest egg. What do people have to keep in mind? How does that work? Yeah, I know definitely a retirement withdrawal strategy is a calculated plan that really lays out how you're going to receive your income. You've spent a lot of time building this asset and also receiving a paycheck. And now it's time to pay yourself, which is you know a really different way of thinking, John. And so we often are having these conversations with people. It's one of the most important questions, I think, you know, not just do I have enough to retire, but where am I going to get my income from? And everyone's situation is unique. You have to also think about life expectancy now. It's increasing. People are living longer all the time. And so your nest egg needs to last you till the end of your days, you know, until you turn into an angel, as I say. And along with rising inflation, that has a much greater impact today than it's had in 30, 40 years. So it's really important to update your financial plan and make sure you have a plan before you retire. I can't stress that enough. You know, today I was having a chat with a a couple that is looking at selling their business, not tomorrow, but in two years from now. And that really is the best time to start planning for retirement and how you're going to get that income and from which uh, accounts are you going to be taking that out of going forward. And again, you've worked your whole life to save enough money to finally retire. So this is an exciting time, but it's just so important to have a plan and especially to have a withdrawal plan so that you're not paying more in taxes than you should today or in the future. So again, you got to sit down with a financial advisor and along with a financial planner and really get the details about your own situation. It's very important. So today on Ready, Set, Retire, we're going to be talking about retirement withdrawal strategies and retirement income planning. So Why is planning your income important if you want to hit your retirement goals? It's important to have an income plan to ensure that you have enough cash flow so that there are no surprises or shortfalls in your future. So knowing exactly how much you can spend allows you to make informed financial decisions. It really leads to a much more relaxed and happy retirement. If you don't know how much you can spend and you're kind of shooting in the dark, the problem with that is it can be very stressful, especially, you know, when markets are are volatile or there's uncertainty in the world and people start to question, you know, am I spending too much? Can I afford to spend this amount today? So having that plan, you know, allows you to take income from your hard-earned money, knowing that it will last throughout your lifetime. So you want to enjoy your retirement. You've earned it. Now it's just important to have an organized way of withdrawing your income so that there's no surprises, as I said, in the future. Talk about how much money, generally speaking, people need because their needs, obviously, when they retire financially, are going to be different than their needs, say, when they're in their mid-80s. Definitely. I mean, 
this conversation is always unique to one situation just because it really depends on their monthly expenses and their goals of retirement. You know, are they planning to travel? Are they uh, planning to renovate a cabin, whatever the situation may be? And the there is an average though, I would say, and after doing this for 20 years and sitting in probably hundreds of financial plans, so I would say the average is kind of this five to 8,000 a month that people need in early on in retirement, as well as an amount for travel, 10 to say 30,000 a year we see for travel. And again, that will vary from person to person, from couple to couple, but that's generally what we see. And then it's really important to kind of determine are there any one-time large lump sum expenses as well, John? That's another important question. How can somebody project how much future income they can take? How does that work? What are the calculations for that? That's where the financial plan is so important. And I know that in our industry, financial plans are kind of thrown around the term anyway, but it is very important to have a detailed financial plan before you're going to retire or if you've already retired, because this is really what's going to show you how long your money's going to last, how much you can withdraw, and also these one-time kind of exceptions and, and can you afford them, such as, again, a renovation, gifting to adult children are two of the big ones we see, purchasing a new car, purchasing Purchasing an RV is another one I often see. We actually put the numbers in the system. It's very difficult to answer. And some of these things that we want to make sure that we're looking at, again, is the forms of income that you're going to be receiving, whether it's old age security. You could be subject to clawback if you're over 81761 in 2022. So again, they give you this money. The government's nice. Not that nice. OAS is only, what, $612 or so. So it's not a whole lot of money. People get really hung up on this clawback. And I understand why. But I'll also talk about maybe why in some cases it makes sense to uh, have some OAS clawback if for the greater good you have less taxes to pay or maybe not you, your beneficiaries have less taxes to pay on your estate. When you take a look at OAS in general, it's clawed back entirely. It's over 133000 of annual income. So that's one area. But of course, there's CPP is another one where people receive income. But the main source of income is not from the government because they're just not giving anybody enough to live on uh, at all. You would be in a very low income tax bracket if that's all you were going to receive. So that's why Canadians are push to save for themselves. And this is what keeps me so busy, isn't it? (laughs) So when we're looking at the different accounts that people have, so where are you going to draw your income from? Well, your RIF or your RSP, your tax-free savings account, you're possibly receiving a pension from a company that you worked at, government pensions, as I mentioned, and even rental income. So I would say those are kind of the main buckets that we're looking at when deciding where you should be withdrawing from first. And again, when you're developing a concrete strategy for when and how much you're going to withdraw, the goal is you want to minimize taxes now and also for your future estate. You want to maximize, of course, the returns, and you also want to beat inflation if possible. So those are definitely things that we're looking at with a financial plan. So what are the steps then in coming up with a withdrawal plan? Is it sort of an ABC thing that you, like a checklist you have to run through, something like that? Well, we're definitely starting off with always a discovery 
meeting with a financial planner and we can provide general numbers to people just when, you know, a new client's coming on board, how much do they think they can earn on their portfolio? How much income do I think that they can take? I can definitely provide those general numbers, but really to get detailed, we want to start by taking inventory of how much you actually spend. So again, we don't need to know a whole budget, although some people like to get that detailed and the more information, the better, John. But again, a financial planner is going to help uh, us figure out how much income you require for your lifestyle, personal goals, and objectives. Often the question I ask is, do you want to leave as much as possible for your children? Or do you want to spend what you need to spend during retirement and whatever left is left? I would say more often people are choosing the latter and it makes sense, right? I mean, you want to make sure that your retirement is steady and and fun and you hopefully raise some good kids that can take care of themselves. And at some point they will inherit. And for a lot of people, their home, especially in the lower mainland, is a massive asset that is going to go to your beneficiary. So just keep that in mind. You know, there's going to be a lot of money likely left. So hopefully you are able to spend from your portfolio as you wish and are not just focused on taking care of your beneficiaries at the end of your days. And again, goals as well. We take into account what those goals are. Do you want to spend more during early retirement? Do you want to travel? What are these trips like? Are you staying in three-star hotels? Or are you going to be renting a boat in the Mediterranean? So I'm getting that detailed. And I'm also interested to know what people want to do. You learn a lot about people when you start talking about the non-financial aspects of retirement. What floats their boat? What gets them excited? Why are they retiring? I love learning about that. And then of course, we want to look at that information along with the size of your portfolio. And again, any other income that's coming in. And then from there, we're going to come up with a financial plan. And again, I'm sitting in that meeting with most clients as well as the financial planners so that we can really provide the best advice possible. Because, you know, as I often say, John, you've heard me say this many times, you can't manage someone's money unless you know who they are. And I should add to that and what their goals are. And that's why we believe that a financial plan is so important, especially when figuring out how to withdraw income for people in retirement. And people have to remember, too, I think that this is an evolving, you know, living sort of document, right? It's not something that you create the day you retire and then have to rely on for the rest of your retirement. Obviously, things change and you're there to sort of help uh, shepherd people through that process of change. For sure. You know, it's not a one and done type thing at all. And that's why I even have a financial planner on my team, not just within the firm, or I even use an independent financial planner as well. I've kind of got three to lean on. Financial plans 100% have to be updated. It doesn't have to be updated every year. But when there's significant life changes, death of a spouse, downsizing a home in terms of spending, gifting to children or grandchildren is a big one. You know, renovating a cabin or a house can also be a large expense, which these are, again, these are actual situations where we're helping people on a regular basis with answering those questions. And we're only able to provide the right advice because we've done a financial plan. So what are the most common or the most typical accounts that retirees are going to be withdrawing from? What are the typical buckets, as you call them? And what's the difference between them? Yes, very technical. My buckets, uh, I use that quite a bit because people understand. And if I talk about accounts, people are going, what type of accounts? Bank accounts, you know, investment accounts. And so the buckets that I'm always referring to are non-registered accounts. So these could be joint accounts with a spouse. It could be just in your name. 
corporate accounts, holding companies, tax-free savings accounts, RSPs, locked-in RSPs, Liras. We're again looking at different profit-sharing plans as well. And so there's a lot of different areas that we want to focus on to see where you should be withdrawing from first. A lot of people may think that they should be withdrawing from their non-registered accounts first because you're not paying tax when you're taking out the money out of out of those accounts, such as a joint account. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, even though you're paying less tax today, you may, and your family may be paying a heck of a lot more tax in the future on your registered accounts. And to provide an example of that is that anyone that has income over 222000 in the year of their death is going to be paying 53.5% tax. So for example, if you have 500000 in a RIF or an RSP, of course, it rolls over to your spouse first tax-free, but on the death of the second spouse, the whole thing is taxed. So again, we spend a lot of time as a team figuring out what is that happy space of paying a little more tax today, a lot less tax in the future. And so, you know, John, how detailed we are is that every November, we have a list of people where we want to take out possibly what we call an excess RIF withdrawal or excess RSP withdrawal, we're taking out more than they should or need to just as a way to minimize taxes for the future. Those are kind of areas that we're looking at in order to determine where one should be withdrawing from. And corporate accounts and holding companies are a whole animal of their own, whether it makes sense to take money out of there and how much, we often have to lean on the accountant to determine whether that is a tax efficient or tax effective way of also taking out money for any client uh, that has a corporate or holding account. As you can see, the answer is not simple, John. And everybody has different buckets and how much they have in those buckets also varies. So again, this is why we're having these uh, detailed conversations to really figure out for that person, what is the best way? So Lori, knowing that retirees have different accounts to withdraw from during retirement, which accounts should they first withdraw from? I would take a look first at how large their non-registered accounts were, and there might be some sort of blend. So we take some money from a non-registered account, as well as including some funds from a registered account. And that might be the best way to reduce taxes now and in the future. Your tax-free savings account, a lot of people think that they should be drawing from a TFSA, where in fact, you should leave your TFSA working as long as possible. Do not touch it if you can afford to do so. And the reason is, is because it grows in their tax-free and over 20, 30 years, that's a lot of money. And that tax-free growth is compounded. And at the end of your days, you're able to give that TFSA to anybody you want tax-free. So it can go to any beneficiary. It can go to an adult child. It can go to a grandchild. It can go to anybody. And so you want to try to leave those TFSAs working as long as possible. So we would usually never recommend that somebody take their income from their TFSA. And in fact, you could be taking money out of your RIF and RSP, as I was saying, remember taking out more uh, than you should annually. And a lot of people end up using that money as a TFSA contribution, John. So again, these strategies are there. You just need to make sure you have a financial advisor that understands the strategies in retirement and is uh, advising you properly. With all of uh, what's been happening around the world lately, the markets have been uh, somewhat uncertain. It certainly feels that way. Obviously, tensions between Russia, Ukraine, the rest of the world, which has affected prices of commodities and food and oil prices. Interest rates have started to go up, and apparently they're going to keep going up. And inflation has been very high. So all of a sudden, in a you know, reasonably short period of time, We've had almost a 180 degree turnaround in terms of how much it's costing us to live 
And the markets obviously are reflecting that. So how can someone begin to manage all of this? And what should they do with their portfolio if they need income? This is the first time in in a long time that people have really worried about inflation. And the cost of goods uh, has been, you're right, not just increasing slowly, but it almost feels like overnight. Because if you look from even a year ago, the cost to fill up your tank, to buy a steak, to buy some vegetables, you know, everything is moving higher. And so this is worrying people, especially those that are trying to retire right now. I feel like those who have already retired kind of know what they can draw from their portfolio. They know what they can spend, although nobody likes inflation and the cost of goods going up. I think those that are trying to figure out how much they're going to spend going forward and, and so on is causing even more concern. The other thing that we have right now to really think about is that historically retirees would have money in bonds as well as GICs. And, you know, that's the kind of usually the safe place to invest money along with conservative stocks. Hardly a time where we would recommend that people didn't have exposure to the market unless there was a a big problem uh, happening in terms of the stock market. But GICs, the problem there is, of course, is that you're losing 6% to inflation right now. So that is not a good long-term investment strategy. And then in the bond market, when interest rates go up, the price of bonds go down. Again, there's certain bonds that are more sensitive to interest rate moves than others. So you just have to understand that as well, that not all bonds are bad, but many bond funds and so on out there, especially these kind of bank bond funds that really don't do a lot of trading or really make changes even with regards to what's happening in the interest rate cycle, they just hold the same bonds and and people are getting hurt on that. And I think a lot of retirees, when they, for instance, walk into a bank branch and say, you know, I'm retiring, I need some advice. A lot of the advisors, possibly at the bank branches are going, okay, you're conservative, you should go into a bond fund. And they go, okay, well, you're the professional. The problem with that advice is, is that you don't realize you could lose money in that bond fund. And many people have. We had a call from a gentleman who had $2 million in bond funds at a bank, and he lost money last year in a good year and lost money again this year in a not so good year. So if you can't make money for a client when the markets are going up and you can't make money when the markets are going down, it's time to move. But I, in all seriousness, this is this is an issue, right? Because again, we're putting together conservative portfolios, yet there is risk in some of those really conservative asset classes like GICs and bonds. And then the last asset class you know, to bring up is real estate, John. So real estate in Vancouver is a hot topic. You and I talk about it a lot and rates are moving higher. And this is going to affect the housing market, in my opinion, one way or another over the next 12 to 18 months. And you know, people talk about well, inventory and immigration here. We're always safe. Nobody is safe from interest rates moving higher at this speed that we're going to be seeing if it in fact moves ahead the way that the Fed and the Bank of Canada is talking about. Things can change. The war in Ukraine could change the direction of how aggressive the Fed is. But right now, they, it looks like they're they're standing their ground and the economy is still growing. They have full employment. So they're going to be raising rates and in the US, possibly half a point at this next meeting. So inflation, they're trying to get under control retirees. So that's good when you're on a fixed budget. We want inflation to come down. But in my opinion, we're going to see high inflation for at least the next 12 months, if not two years, realistically. This stuff doesn't change overnight. No, it doesn't. And in the real estate market, with rates going up, and as you say, uncertainty about if or when they're going to stop, that puts a certain number of people who are kind of on the the limit of, can we afford this? Can we not afford this? suddenly they could be in a very dire situation month to month because it doesn't take many quarter point raises for your mortgage payment to suddenly get out of hand. 
Exactly. And a lot of people have gone variable. The retirement age group that uh, how this can affect you maybe is something we should address too, is that a lot of people plan to use their home as part of their retirement nest egg. And, you know, it's been a great time to obviously be a seller. It's a seller's market right at this point. But in 12 months from now, that could obviously change. And so if the value of your home drops at some point, because rates have come up so much, maybe you've missed that opportunity. So we do have a lot of conversations about downsizing, because sometimes that extra lump sum that goes into your portfolio when you downsize, and it's usually not a massive amount because people aren't selling their home and buying an old condo, they're selling their home and buying a new condo or whatever it might be, right? So, but that extra injection adds to that cash flow that we're talking about, that you're going to have that extra amount where you can go travel a lot more than you thought you could. Or people are downsizing here in Vancouver and moving to the Okanagan or the island or wherever where they can have a better retirement. So that conversation, again, can come in to the cash flow conversation. So you can see how all these things are connected, right? What's happening in the world? What's happening with interest rates? What will happen with mortgage rates? What happens to real estate, the stock market? Everything is very much connected. And, and that's where, again, you want to make sure that you're able to discuss all these aspects with your financial advisor or financial team so that you have a good understanding of, of how retirement's going to look for you and possibly what changes need to be made right now so that when you are withdrawing an income today, even with all this uncertainty ongoing right now is that there's still a plan that you know how much you can withdraw and you know if markets continue moving sideways how does that affect retirement volatility in markets don't last forever things will change and so either we hopefully see some sort of peace agreement between ukraine and russia and you know i sure we all have an opinion on that. And there's a lot of unknowns there. But at some point, we're going to see which direction this is going to move. Earnings are coming out in the markets. And so that's important too. a lot of lower expectations for companies this quarter. And that it can seem negative uh, when you think about it. But a lot of times what happens is that they meet or exceed expectations because the bar was set so low. So earnings season could kick off possibly if, if it does come in above expected, that could actually be a good thing for the markets again. There's so many different aspects that we're watching at all times. And that's why I have a big team to follow that alongside myself and so that we can make quick decisions in the portfolios for clients and advise them accordingly on things such as cash flow. All right, let's wrap this up as we always do with a quote. What do you have for us this week? A good financial plan is a roadmap that shows us exactly how the choices we make today will affect our future. Great stuff as always, and always great advice from Lori Pinkowski. What a great pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll catch up and do this again in a couple of weeks. You as well, John. Have a great day, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. That's all for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.